0: Good morning, Gold Church family and friends. This morning, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 56. And we're going to hear a message that I've entitled, Faith Overcomes Fear. And so as you're looking up Psalm 56, you might wonder, well, I thought we were in a message series on Ezra and Nehemiah. And that is absolutely right. And you'll remember that we started that series with... um, Ezra 1 and the exiles returned back um, to the promised land because God was the waymaker and the miracle worker and he had taken the people from Babylonia and had um, restored them back and called them back to rebuild the temple and um, to inhabit the land again. Then we went to Ezra 3 and we saw there that they were, the first thing they did was they built an altar and they engaged in worship and um, they remembered that God is good and his love endures forever. And then we looked at Ezra 4 and 5, and we saw that, well, the work started and the opposition was right there to try to discourage and stop them. And the Lord sent prophets to bring encouraging messages from God, to stir up the people to continue to work, to um, not lay down their tools. And so all through these first few chapters, we may not have noticed so much, but fear is crouching at the door of their hearts. They'd been captives and they were coming back to their land that didn't have walls for protection anymore. They had enemies right there trying to discourage them. And um, Ezra 3.3 3 said despite their fear, they um, built the altar. And Ezra 4.4 4 said that the enemy set out to make them afraid to go on building. And so um, fear has been there. And so what do we do as a people of God when fear is crouching at the door. And so I want to read, and I ask you to join me in reading Psalm 56. Be merciful to me, O God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire. They lurk. They watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, Bring the nations down. Record my misery. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. This is the word of the Lord. And so people throughout history, God's people have faced challenges and threats and psalm 56 is one of several prayers of deliverance psalms of deliverance and so when there's persistent attack and living with 24 7 danger this psalmist writes and um, brings a request of god for deliverance for safety for saving them out of this dangerous situation They throw themselves on God's mercy. Be merciful, my God. Living in danger and feeling fearful. This psalm is particularly interesting because it's written with the background of David. When the Philistines had seized him in Gath, if you notice there at the very beginning of your Bible under Psalm 56, it might have a few words about this. What's the background? What's the backstory on this? Well, I think it's lessons that David learned when he was facing a really fearful situation. Saul was on his trail. He was running from the person that was supposed to be training him to be king. And all of a sudden he's got this enemy after him who's the king and he's running and he, um, in his fear, he decides that it might be better to just try to go blend in with his enemy, the Philistines. If you remember, he had killed Goliath. So the Philistines were not David's friend. And he, in his fear and cooperating with fear, he goes and he tries to blend in. And then people recognize him. Oh, this is David who slain the thousands and ten thousands. This story you can find from 1 Samuel 21 10 to 15, if you want to look it up. It's quite an interesting story, and then the next few chapters after. I'm just telling you about it because I want to tell you what David did. When he was so scared and he had realized that this was a really dumb idea to come into the enemy territory and try to blend in, he acts like he's a madman, and he starts to scratch on walls, and he starts to drool. I mean, he's trying to look... Like he is completely insane. This is what happens, friends, when we get cooperating with fear. And so I think some of the lessons that we learn from David is don't cooperate with fear. And then a little later we see, um, a couple of chapters later, that Jonathan, his dear friend in the Lord, comes and encourages him and strengthens him in the Lord and speaks what is true. He said, David, you're going to be the king. He reminds him of what God's word had said, and he stirs up faith by prophesying to him, being a friend who brings an encouraging, true word from the Lord. And so this is, um, I believe, this prayer of deliverance that we see here, it's reminding us that, hey, times can be really, really fearful. Don't do something dumb. Cry out to the Lord for deliverance. So a prayer for deliverance. Our situations can be of attack, can be really anywhere from a spectrum of mildly fearful to life and death situations. Pastor Dave reminded us last week in his sermon, he talked about many ways that the enemy comes in with persistent attack, Um, things like relentless criticism and conflict when you're in kingdom work. Um, Perhaps health concerns, the enemy coming in and tormenting with health concerns of any sort or nature, but particularly this COVID threat and how this virus in a broken world in God's providence has been allowed and yet how the enemy is trying to just pounce with fear and panic on people. Maybe it's relational conflict. Maybe it's chronic struggles within your family or loved ones. Maybe there's unhealed wounds of rejection and loss that just leave you feeling really empty and lonely and fearful. And so any of those things could be situations where there um, is this sense of like ongoing threat, ongoing danger, ongoing difficulty where fear is just nagging at you all the time. You're worrying, you're concerned. For some of you listening, maybe you've been targeted and oppressed because of race or ethnicity. Certainly God's people in Ezra were being targeted because they were people of God and they had arch enemies on this earth. Well, certainly there are people within all this situation that we have experienced in our country where we've recognized again the sin of racism and so people being targeted because of their race or ethnicity, they have faced many, many years of um, feeling threatened and um, perceiving potential attacks at any time, and fear could be crouching right there at their hearts. Throughout history, Christians have been persecuted. We've got Christians today in this world that are being persecuted, and Scripture teaches us that um In this world, we will have trouble, but take heart. we He has overcome the world, and so therefore, he helps us to overcome these fears that could just crouch. And so whether you're listening by any chance from a a closed nation and you've gotten an opportunity to hear this message, or if the Lord might be preparing any of us for a time in the future, when we face life and death, hard situations, we learn to pray for deliverance. We cry out to God for mercy and help because we have a relationship with him where he said, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. We learn from looking at Psalm 56 that the psalmist was very candid. Hey, this is what they're doing. They're watching me day and night. They're lurching for me. They're just watching for me to stumble. And so we name the issues candidly. Not that he doesn't know it, but because it helps us to just name it to say what's happening. And I have been reading this book in preparation for the sermon. I don't know why, but the Lord put it on my heart to remember this book, The Hiding Place, that I had read many years ago about Corrie ten Boom, um, a woman from the Netherlands who during the um, whole Hitler regime and the Nazi invasion of the Netherlands, she and her elderly father and her um, other single sister ended up, because they were Christians, helping to um, protect the lives of the Jews who were being rounded up to take to concentration camps. And um, they repeatedly, because of their call to honor the image bearers of um, God, these Jewish people, they felt like they needed to honor and protect life, and so they started to um, take in Jews that would show up in their home. They started to help um, find Rations, food rations for people, help relocate people to safer places, and in doing so, put their very lives at risk over and over. They were being watched day and night, and repeatedly through the um, book, as I've been rereading it again, I see how they turn to the Lord and pray. They turn to God's word day and night and even as they're taking into a concentration camp they smuggle in a bible and it is God's words that just bring them peace and bring them praise like they come to a place of praise and thanksgiving right in the midst of the concentration camps right in the midst of their enemies they are encountering um just great faith and um and they see many many Examples of God's deliverance as they pray. And what struck me is their amazing courage to keep going on the mission. Last week, Pastor Dave said, the enemy's trying to get them to put down their tools. Don't put down your tools. Don't lay down your tools. And um, certainly, the enemy, over and over, They faced one situation after the other where they would have been tempted to quit. The enemy would have loved for them to be quiet and not share the gospel and not share the hope of salvation with all those inmates that were in that concentration camp. And yet they had amazing courage and favor because they leaned on the Lord. They declared their trust in God and in his word. Now this Psalm fifty-six, it really shifts from a song or a psalm, a request of deliverance, and it quickly turns to um, verse three: "When I am afraid, I put my trust in You." And then in verse ten, "In God, whose word I praise." In verse eleven, "In God I trust, and I'm not afraid." Well, what does that tr- word trust mean? I just want to remind us: trust means a firm belief in the reliability the truth, the ability, or the strength of someone. So the firm belief in the reliability and ability and strength of someone. And so when I think about the word trust and how I've heard it used recently, somebody said, oh, yeah, I, I trusted my husband finally to trim my bangs because I couldn't get to the shop to get my hair cut. Well, that's an example of trust. Or somebody else said, I only trust my parent or my spouse to um, pull me when I'm water skiing. They're the only people that I ever trust to do that. Well, those are certainly measures of belief in the reliability and the ability or strength of someone to do something. But those things of trimming our bangs or pulling us around on water skis are not life and death situations. So it's maybe not so serious where we put our trust about who can trim our bangs or even who could pull us on water skis. But what about when it's a matter of life and death? It matters greatly. Are we going to trust in ourselves like David did and and, um, come up with these crazy ideas to go in and participate with the enemy? Or are we going to trust in God? And it's interesting as I was thinking about this how it um, uses these I put my trust when I'm in fear, I put my trust in God, or I trust so that I don't have fear. And um, J. Campbell Morgan, in his book, Notes on the Psalms, says this. He says, it's a gracious thing to know God well enough to be able resolutely to trust him when fear possesses the heart. It's a much finer thing to trust him so completely as to have no fear. Both ways lead homeward, but the former is low-level traveling, while the latter is high-level. And so this idea of two different roads of trust, demonstrating your trust in God. One is a lower road of um, when fear comes, then I put my trust in God. And the higher road is I trust God and know him so well that I don't have fear. And I thought about two songs that have been rolling around in my head this um, week. And so um, one of them, I think, demonstrates that when fear comes, I'll trust. And um, it's actually the theme song, I think, for the movie, The Hiding Place. But um, Sela sings it, and um, it's kind of in a minor tone, and it's, You are my hiding place. You fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. And so there's kind of this sadness, but this, yes, I'm going to, when fear comes, I'm going to trust. The other one is this high road, and I thought about this song this week as well. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. I am not afraid, I am not dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. Boom, boom, and I've got my tambourine, but I'm not pulling it out right now. All right, so you get the you get the idea, right? Um, trusting in the Lord is what we want to do, and sometimes fear comes and we start to participate with it a little bit, and then all of a sudden we realize, hey, I don't need to live in fear. The Lord um, is my strength, and I'm going to go and I'm going to put my trust in Him. When we put trust, we're putting trust in someone. The object of our trust is God. And um I think about how Jesus walked this high road of trust where he trusted and certainly he was tempted to fear but he demonstrated no fear. When he went before the um Pharisees and when he went before the high priest and when he went before the um Roman emperor he was um not feigning to be a madman or salivating all over himself to try to pretend he was crazy or something. No. He walked in um, faith and in trust in the Lord, and that helped him from being overcome by the fear of the situation. And so faith overcomes fear, and we're placing our faith in the one who's faithful. And so this Psalm 56, it shifts really dramatically from naming the problem and asking for deliverance to... um, a declaration of, in God I trust and I'm not afraid. What can man do to me? And then I look at this psalm and I think, yeah, this turns to praise because God is praiseworthy. He's the eternal king. He's, this is talking about what can mere mortals do? This is a temporary situation. When we look at this situation, whatever it is that we're facing, This is temporary. God is eternal. When we look at um, God who is the faithful one, we were reminded, just like Haggai came to the Israelites and said, Your God is with you. He is with you. And so the Lord says to us today, I am with you whatever this situation, whatever this hardship, whatever is causing fear to crouch at the door of your heart, I am with you. We place our faith in a compassionate, loving God whose love endures forever. We see the promises of his word. We're reminded as we go to scripture, as we hear prophetic messages of encouragement from one another, We're reminded that God is with us, that he is for us. We listen to the song of blessing that Pastor Dave ended his sermon with last week. The song of blessing that he is for us and he is with us. It is our God who records our misery. He sees it and he records it. He saw the misery of David and he recorded it. He saw the misery of the Israelites in Ezra, and he recorded it. Friends, he sees your misery. He sees my misery. He sees the misery of the Christians in this earth that are being persecuted right now. He sees the misery of anybody who's been a victim of systemic racism and prejudice, and he records their misery. He records our misery. He records our tears. He counts and records them. Like this concept blows my mind. I Maybe because I've cried so many tears, I just can't even imagine how to even count them individually when they become like a stream. And yet, He knows every tear that you've cried. He knows when you cry yourself to sleep at night. He knows when you cry in the morning. He knows when you break down and cry in the bathroom at work or um, you t- have to just walk away for a few minutes and cry it out. He records our tears. He knows them. He records them. And someday he gives us this great hope that someday he's going to come back and make all things right. And that he's going to wipe the tears away from our eyes. And he's going to usher in his new creation. And all those who have their trust in Jesus, who've placed their trust in the one who laid down his life for us. We're not going to live with fear crouching in the door anymore. All that is not of God's kingdom is going to be banished. We place our trust in the one who watches over us day and night, who turns back our enemy, verse 9 in the psalm, who through Jesus delivers us from death, who keeps our feet from stumbling, and who gives us eternal life. Friends, we place our faith in God, who is the faithful one, who says he'll never leave us, He'll never forsake us. He is good, and his love endures forever. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these psalms of deliverance. And Lord, I thank you for Psalm 56. And I thank you for the message that you give us, that we can cry out whenever our hearts are hurting, whenever we face threats of any sort. If we have a relationship with you, we can just cry out for your mercy, not because we've done so much good in our lives, Lord, but because you are a merciful God and we call on your character. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would bless anybody and everyone who's listening to this message and who faces any threat of any sort. Lord, I ask that you would stir up and teach us as a people how to pray And how to turn from crying out for deliverance to being mindful of all your goodness, of all your character, of all your promises. And Lord, that you in your word would just turn our hearts to praise because you alone are ever faithful. We worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.